Uh, the views expressed in the It Takes What It Takes Letter Carrier podcast are solely those of the hosts and guests. They do not represent any government agency or NGO or labor organization. The It Takes What It Takes Letter Carrier podcast is 100% DIY, not for profit. Any advertising revenue is used to cover operational costs, and all excess revenue is donated to charity. In episode number two of It Takes What It Takes, a letter carrier podcast, Travis and Dave have their first guest, John Griffin. John is a letter carrier in northern Indiana and started his career in the same way as we did, as a TE, or transitional employee. We're going to take a deep dive into all things TE and the differences between this position compared to CCAs. We also discuss the upcoming national convention, the quickly approaching Stamp Out Hunger Food Drive, and some promising legislation for anyone that has worked a non-career position within the Postal Service. Welcome to the It Takes What It Takes, a letter carrier podcast where we talk about all things slinging the mail. I'm your co-host, Travis, and 1,200 miles due east of me is... Dave! Dave. And with us today is our friend John Griffin from northern Indiana as well. John, Dave, and I all came up together as TEs in South Bend, Indiana. And today, that's going to be the primary topic of our discussion, is TEs, what they are, what we went through, how they're different from CCAs. It kind of put things into perspective for people that didn't go down that career path and people that didn't have to go down that career path. With that said, question Lucky of the pastors. day coming at both of you. This is from a co-worker of mine here in Montana. What would you rather do? Would you rather be bit by a dog or have an investigative interview? Oh, I like investigative interviews, man. I like I like to have that. Dave, Dave is on team investigative interview. John, I think I've had one investigative interview in fourteen years, and I had one serious dog incident. And yeah. just this past week, I was down the same street where that dog incident happened. Lots of um, PTSD going on as I walked past that same house. So I would agree with Dave on investigative interview as well. Um. I'll, I'll add that I I probably have greater odds of getting bit by a dog than getting called into an investigative interview. So you also have better odds of getting I'll, an investigative interview from being bit by a dog because you know safety. <laughs> yes, and yeah. make, and make sure you have your postal approved footwear. Yeah, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. So we're gonna start off here uh, now that that you know big serious questions are out of the way. Uh, one thing I did want to bring up last time on the podcast, I, I do have a, a, a correction that I need to make. I had mentioned that here in Bozeman, we are down uh, four assignments with no CCAs. That was incorrect. We're down three assignments with no CCAs. But we just got word that another full-time regular is quitting. 
and we just got a transfer from San Francisco, California. So thankfully, she won't be shocked by the price of houses out here, which is nice. That normally scares people away. So we are at, uh, we are back to down three assignments, no CCAs. Why she's going from San Francisco to Montana? Wow, she likes an adventure. <laughs> yeah, man, I was I. It was my understanding that San Francisco had nice weather, but maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. I've never been to California, but a lot of people yeah. here from there. So, anywho, so what's new in your guys' maybe time to? Uh, go ahead, John. Nothing much. We have the same thing going on as you, Travis. Uh, regulars quitting. You get a CCA and you get another vacant route. I think right now we sit at. Two routes went up for bid with no bidders. Uh, a swing, I believe, needs to go up for bid. And then we just had a regular, full-time regular. Last day was Friday. So basically wow. four vacant assignments with one CCA who's been there for a while. Another CCA, maybe a couple of months. One CCA for about a month and two CCAs who I think are still shadowing. So we're one step so forward, two steps back. Yeah, <laughs> pretty you're much fucked. the uh, the 1260 grievances will continue. Yeah, you know, um, I think I, I might have mentioned this in the last podcast, but we kind of just got out of the whole 12 and 60 thing, uh, probably now about four or five weeks ago, and uh, it's it's been a blessing. Uh, we're still kind of in a vulnerable spot though because we just went into choice vacation, and the uh, spring break was pretty full, but I think we got a nice little lull here the next few weeks but uh, uh we ain't out of it so uh, and i don't think anybody's really uh in a position to 100 percent think they're out of it yet so i've heard about you guys' office john you guys uh i i don't know too much about south Bend right now just because i'm not i'm out of the loop but uh, everybody knows how bad it is in your office right now. so the, the sympathy is out there go ahead so we are on the radar once again so, uh, yeah. John, how many how many routes or full time positions are there in your office? I don't know exactly, but I want to say the seniority roster goes to about fifty. Oh, and and we have two we have two ox routes, and then we have two city routes without T sixes. So our number of full time city routes is obviously not a. De- divisible a divisor of um was it five <laughs> yeah you sound like you guys are got a, a few more routes than us i think we're about about 48 assignments so um yeah you're a little bit bigger than us wow my my office is literally half the size of your guys's as far as uh full full career complement goes i forget what it's like to to be in a workspace with all that it's all both of you guys all in the same building, right? Yes. Uh, I could do. Yeah, you know the race, the rate, the ratio of uh, you know, as far as you guys not helping, help having help Travis. I mean, it's pretty much the same. You guys got a smaller office, but you're missing, you know, a quarter of the people, <laughs> or whatever. You know, yeah, so yeah. you're, you're just so, as fuck. Honestly, the, the what they could do is just raise the amount of money that they pay people. If they raise the amount of money they pay yeah. people, people would actually come in and want to do the job. And, you know, there's a, a multitude of reasons why that'll never happen. Uh, but 
you know, that'd be the number one thing that you, if you want to attract talent, if you want to retain employees, if you want employees to deal with your bullshit, they need to be compensated accordingly. They just haven't caught on to that yet. So make them all PTF. You serve a probationary period, then you go right into PTF servitude. That's fair. Yep. As somebody in Olive Street used to call that part time fool. And I think in our area, the last PTF was a uh, Dem Sinclair, who I've heard has since retired. Yes, she has. Uh, Saint Clair, sorry. brother. Yeah, uh, brother, she is living the high life out in Arizona. Uh, nice. God Good for bless her. her. Yep. Yeah, I was on my last unemployment check at that time, so my dumbass checked the box, not the non, not the career position only box, the check, the box next to it where I would take what I could get. I went back and looked at my OPF recently, and wow, I checked the wrong box. Oh. Well, speaking of uh, creative acronyms, TEs, what they are, what they were. I creatively uh, read one time on a post that somebody had suggested that TE actually stood, instead of a transitional employee, it it stood for for totally exhausted which was uh, about as <laughs> pretty, yeah, pretty yeah. accurate based on my experience. And a little background for our yeah. listeners, uh, TEs were transitional employees. And at the time, back in the mid-aughts and into the uh, early 2010s, the post office was attempting to do DPS flats. I know that's a thing in some places. They wanted to make it a national thing. Did not happen. And we were brought on to cushion that transition, you know, very similar to a CCA. We were hired on for 360 days at a time. And, but we got paid like 22 bucks an hour, I think was the uh, going rate back. Nice money. Yeah. And, you know, working 50, 60 hours a week. Uh, Most of us were probably single at the time too. I mean, I I was, and I (laughs) drove a shitty car, but man, I was raking in the loop. It was great. Didn't have any kids. It was, you know, very few, uh, obligations outside of my job uh and then what that contract uh 2012 2013 was when they started the conversion of te's to to ccas and i thought that maybe we'd outline some of the uh contractual differences that uh exist between te's and what ccas are now and one of the primary one is uh they're actually our rules governing CCAs. There were none for TEs, and management fully exploited that. And uh, maybe we, yeah. you guys can uh, can expound on that, uh, Dave or John, either one of you. Oh, I'll go ahead. I'll go ahead. Um, you know, th- I think the biggest thing uh, about the TE versus the CCA is you just didn't have that union protection there. Uh, management could throw your ass out on the street uh, for whatever reason, and uh, you're hosed. Uh, you came back thirty minutes late. They got sick and tired of it happening once or or twice a week. Yeah, you're gone. And you're fucked. So that was kind of the biggest thing. The money was really nice. Uh, I don't remember having health insurance. I don't think they offered that. Uh, um, But the paycheck was the health insurance. So, you know, you made so much money. If you have to go to the doctor, you can drop $100 down and you didn't care. You just, I mean, I was pulling in, I think, when I was working close to 56 hours a week, maybe a little bit over, I don't remember. It was like $2,000 net. A few dollars over, maybe a few dollars under. It was it was like two two thousand dollars, and you could go out and blow a couple hundred in a weekend and still have more than enough to take care of your bills and the neighbors. Yeah, I'll never forget when I got my my first paycheck as a TE. All my financial problems were solved. 
Like <laughs> I was going from a pizza place oh, yeah. to to working at the post office at the pizza place. I was working maybe 30, 35 hours a week. And then got at the post office, got my first two week paycheck. It was three times that what I made. I no longer needed to live with five other guys. I was able to afford my own place. <laughs> I, could, I could pay for car insurance, the whole nine yards. You know, it, it really, uh, it was yeah. quite a, uh, quite a game changer. And actually, but you know, I kind of skipped over this and it's a, probably be pretty important for the listeners here. John, if you could give us a little rundown of how you got into the post office and what your career trajectory has been like, uh, I think that'd be useful context for our, for our audience, if you would. Sure. I was, like I said before, on unemployment. My mom had seen something, I think, in the newspaper, South Bend Post Office hiring, one online. Got signed up, got a profile, eventually got something in the mail to go take a test at um, the Essen House in, I think it's Middlebury. Went and took the test, waited and waited and waited, and finally got, finally got, show up at this this place at this time, and that was the orientation at the uh, downtown South Bend Post Office. Got in. Um, and this was went to Olive Street, a true hellhole, even today. Two thousand and eight. Okay. Two thousand and December two thousand and seven, I started Carrier Academy. So January 2008, I basically started walking the streets of South Bend. Got it cold. <laughs> right? I'm sure yeah, just thinking about it. It was. Hell of, a, hell of a time to start, for sure. So if you could make that plus work for Jewel, you could pretty much make it anywhere. <laughs> yeah. So I got ups, and da- ups and downs, doing... Um, doing people's routes in like half the time that they could do it and not knowing how things worked and being looked down upon by the regular on that route. He would hate it when he did his route because you made him look bad. So we were not always viewed upon favorably by the full timers, the old timers. Um, paid my dues out there on Lincoln way, Olive street sample out, out there in the hood. Paid our dues. There was a couple times I thought I thought I wasn't going to make it. A couple times where a couple of people had had it in for me for whatever reason, finishing their route or half the time. Uh, one time a parcel fell off the tray and onto the footwell of the other side, and he found it the next morning and took it straight to the supervisor, which is something I learned. That I was told that you never do. You never dime out a fellow carrier, or in the military, you never dime out a brother in arms. You do you have, kind of uh, take, you keep have, it in house. You have a uh, yes. military time as well, correct? That's correct. Five years and nine months. Air Force. I've bought my military time back, and nice. hopefully, and hopefully, this six and a half year TECCA service that does not not count will pass legislation in Congress for the um, Federal Retirement Fairness Act HR forty. Correct me on the number. I don't, I'm not remembering right now the actual uh, number got, of the, the bill. Got, uh, 40, Give it a guess. Yeah, 4268 is what I have in my notes. And for the listeners that uh, okay. want to look that up, that's House or it's House Resolution HR 4268. It's been introduced a couple times. And what it is is the Federal Retirement Fairness Act that uh, this legislation will allow 
a, uh, a buyback similar to, to military time for your non-career time in various government agencies. And the legislation specifically includes both TEs and CCAs in the language, like literally has it written out. So hopefully, you know, call your congressman, call your senators, get them behind it and everything. <laughs> but uh, back to our... Uh, Back to our, our, our TE lamentations here, uh, like Dave was saying, they could just kick you out on the, they could, they could fire you whenever you wanted, whenever they wanted, whatever was convenient for them. If management was upset with you one day or the supervisor woke up on the wrong side of the bed, it might be the day that oh, for real. your career ends for that matter. <laughs> and, and, and they dangle that shit over your head oh, too, yeah. man. Yeah, I can and, fire your ass. And even worse than the um, Amazon parcel and the footwell on the other side remaining in the truck overnight, um, I had an incident happen. Jewel was out for surgery. We had another supervisor in the office for a while. And I, apparently I had left a tub of outgoing mail on the stool at a case overnight. And the clerk comes, oh, who was on 2817 yesterday? He goes to the clipboard. It was me. So a clerk almost got me fired for taking this tub of outgoing mail to the supervisor. And it was Sean Dipert at the time, and he said, "I could fire you right. I could fire you right now, but I'm not going to." And I think about that because I need you to carry. Yeah, I, th I think about that every day when I, you know, completely sweep my truck, and the first thing I do when I go back inside the building is take my outgoing mail to the dispatch area, so I make sure to never leave it again. That is stuck with me to this day. And another thing I didn't like about our TE time, I don't know if this happened or happens in other offices to this day. Um, we'd be out on the street walking a relay at 4.30 in the afternoon. You get back to your truck, you open the back door to start another relay or put your stuff away to go to your next park point, And there's mail in the back of the truck that wasn't there when you locked your truck 15 minutes ago. Oh, that is straight mm -hmm. up nightmare fuel right there, man. I. The the frustration, the anxiety, yeah. and the anger that that all produced in me. <laughs> they they pulled that stuff. And down what down can you do except go carry it? And yeah. I don't. Yeah. And I yeah. don't know what's extra, or I don't know what's worse, doing that happening when you get to the end of a relay and you think you're about done, and you find more mail in the back of your truck, or you've done a route, an hour and a half extra, you get back to the office. Hey, I need you to. Here's another hour of another route. I don't know yeah. which one pisses uh. me off more. But thank goodness the mail in the back of the truck scenario as a surprise has stopped, at least where I'm at now. Oh, good. Good. And, John, you left South Bend in during the TE transition to CCAs, if I'm not mistaken, correct? Yes, when we had to basically take the exam again, apply for our job again, you basically had your choice where you wanted to go because it was like you were starting over. And I remember in my interview in 2013, why should we hire you? Because I've already been doing this job for five and a half years. That's very similar. Yeah, what a to, slap uh, in the face. Oh, go ahead, Dave. Go ahead. I, I apologize. I was just going to say, yeah, what, a, what kind of a slap in the face, really, you know, to, to make us go all through that. And, you know, I think in 2013, I had like two years in and pretty much everybody else had at least double or triple that. So if I was slightly insulted, you can only imagine what a, a guy who's been doing it for six to eight years goes. Uh, I got to reapply for my job. Uh, I got to requalify for my job. I mean, yeah, yeah and go just... and go get fingerprinted again. On yeah, your own, on your own time too. Yeah, and 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 done. Yeah, 
Yeah, I, yeah. Uh, I, yeah. I definitely remember, you know, we did lose a, a friend of ours now who has a very successful uh, uh, auto part distribution job, you know, uh, Vince. He, he said, he Good. said no. You know, Dave, you worked with Vince quite a bit at the Chippewa station, if I'm not oh, mistaken. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Vince, uh, I, uh, I was, I guess I was like Vince's protege. Uh, Vince looked out for me. Uh, there was two of us over there. If I understood the story correctly, and I could have been wrong, I think they'd gone through a couple of TEs. He tried to really work with them just to keep them there. The job was too much. Uh, uh, Vince told me he was taking me under his wing because uh, he needed the help. So he invested a lot of he invested a lot of a lot of time, and it wasn't that he needed the help because he couldn't do the job. It was because he was a one man army over there, and uh, well, he's also so, like six foot five, so yeah. that one step of his is like three of ours. Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. Vince was Vince was a, he was a monster, dude. Yeah, I, there's it. no way I can keep up with Love the dude. that guy. Yeah. yeah, he's he's got a very uh, my my brother is married to his niece. So we see each other at, at various family yes. functions and things like that. And apparently his business is doing really good. You know, he really uh, he, he made a really clean break from the post office, which is something that, you know, can be very difficult to do, especially if the income isn't uh, isn't proportionate for sure. One of uh, one of my favorite memories of Vince and uh, you, Travis, is uh, not too long after we went over to Mishawaka, we went into some. uh, uh Lesser, uh, uh, nice, nice, not, not nice bar in Mishawaka. I don't know how to really put it without being grotesquely rude. Uh, and we went over there for a. It's fine. Okay, that's what I was thinking. We went over there for a for a, there was there were some bands over there, some local bands, and it was really just kind of the the, the shittiest uh, the shittiest performances. But we had a great time, man. It was great. Uh, those dudes were a hell of a lot of entertainment. So, oh, you know what? Come to think of it, it's I remember it's not even a uh, it's not even a bar anymore. It was the Wander Inn over there on Sixth Street back in the day. I think it's a taco yes. joint now, if I'm not mistaken. It is. But anywho, yep. anywho, so let's, is. Yep. Uh, maybe we could uh, start with outlining. Maybe we could go on to like outlining uh, some of those uh, contractual provisions that you were you were speaking of, Dave. That CCAs. I don't. I wouldn't say they necessarily enjoy them now, but they 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 do exist. The first one that pops into my mind is uh being able to legally hold down a vacant assignment that was not an option that we were oh, yeah. as as a uh as a te and i did at least two two and a half maybe even three years on uh on route 0105 downtown because management just didn't want to go through that. the effort of training somebody how to walk around inside a building you know <laughs> and, yeah. uh you know, and I sir, I I did that for for quite some time. But you know, once they made a CCAs, and I was number two or three on the list, man, I was like, I am mounted. Give me the mounted. <laughs> yeah, and I wish we would have had hold downs back then because that's where Jewel was trying to break me on purpose. I would have twenty eight oh one, about the longest route in that zone, on Wednesdays with all the advos, and then go do nineteen oh five on the West Side Hood. On Thursdays, with all the advos. Yeah. The I problem think, uh, is, dude, is you're eight feet tall and you got a stride that's fifty inches long, dude. She liked that. <laughs> she likes them long legs, John. <laughs> oh boy. Oh boy, this will get off the rails pretty quickly. Uh, you know what? Speaking of advos, I haven't seen one of those since the pandemic started. It's been wonderful. Bless you, sir. <laughs> Bless you. Lucky you. We had in Elkhart. We have advos. 
first Friday of the month, we have um, Full Moons, mag- local, like a penny saver type magazine. And it's kind of stupid yep. because three quarters of what's in it is in Michigan. I guess that's why they only do it basically in the routes that are closest to the border. And the one, they have, Pretty much. The one that makes me laugh every time is Kanamazoo, Michigan's only 24-hour recreational <laughs> dispensary. And yeah. about a week after that, we get what's called the uh, Michiana Savers. Door to doors, so lots of yeah. uh, lots of extra deliveries and uh, overtime, which can't be making the post office any money with all the extra time it takes. Hey, dude, you want to talk about overtime? My, the last two weeks, I I worked. Uh, well, shit, yesterday I worked. I got got back to the office and got sent back <laughs> out. You know, and I was hoping my seniority would shield me from that. At this point in the gig, I'm number nine at my office, uh, but. <laughs> Dude, I've I've worked so much in the past two weeks because of we've got a revolving door of supervisors and we have one supervisor that knows what she's doing. She was a prior she was a carrier prior to to getting into management. She's extremely realistic and also extremely knowledgeable and she knows everybody's strengths and what they're good at doing and the territories that they're good you know just everything everything you could possibly want out of a supervisor then we've got this revolving door of other supervisors and postmasters like the four other members of the management team just kind of circulate throughout the uh, in and out out of our office and the mixed signals you get and the complete lack of leadership and leaving carriers to make decisions on like what other carriers are going to be doing and things dude it is nerve-wracking it is it, it it is so unprofessional i cannot stress that enough how unprofessional the whole situation is and you know, those supervisors really are just horribly trained. Pardon me for interjecting. You know, um, they got a lot going on, to be fair. Um, uh, but uh, it, you, you got to be really good at multitasking, really, really good at multitasking. You got to be good at multitasking as a carrier, but in, in the office, when you have so much to do and they're, uh, they're uh, understaffed, you know, uh, it's crazy. But they choose that job, uh, and uh, you got to be able to. Uh, deliver and do it appropriately and if not you need to step aside and let other people do it real and there seems to be no communication because the obviously the left hand has no idea what the right hand is doing and what gets negotiated or doled out as assignments in the morning is not always known or passed on to the closing supervisor is how many times like how many times i go to tap we have a section we have a downtown area with a lot of collection boxes in the uh concentrated area we call it the loop so you go do the loop basically about 10 collection boxes and how many times have i gotten to there and they've already been emptied but i was assigned to do that in the morning and then i don't know how everybody else's situations is with uh, 204 wannabes we currently don't have any all of our supervisors are um, full-time eas But that doesn't mean that it's any better, but at least we don't have the animosity from the people that are still caring against the one who chose to be a 204B, could sometimes be perceived as being a sellout or selfish, especially when the manning is as bad as it is in our office and yours as well, Travis. Yeah, uh, you know, sellout was the uh, first word that came to my mind as well. (laughs) 
<laughs> so certainly not lost on me. Uh, let's see here. Yep. We got in our notes here. Um, let's move on to a national convention coming you know, up. Is that in June? Dave? Real, real quick. Uh, it's in August. Real quick, though, just just one last comment on the two hundred four B thing. You know, um, it's it's never uh, it's never going to have a um, uh, an aura about it that is uh, most people are going to like. It's always going to be subject to criticism. Sometimes, in rare in circumstances, in my opinion, I think you can get somebody who's a great carrier and who moves into that, and they can do a really good job because they're 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 fucking organized. And a uh, shout out to our two or four B. I won't, I won't say his name. He'll, if he's listening, he'll know who he is. He's great. Uh, he needs to be a supervisor. The postal service is, um, is creating a huge disservice to him and the, uh, uh, the business itself by not having him in that position, you know? Uh, and, uh, the other people have a lot to learn off of. So it can be a good, it can be a good thing, but, I think systemically what it is, is is it's just a path to get off the the streets and uh, people get overwhelmed. So exactly. That's been my experience with the people I've seen go to be 204Bs. They don't want to carry anymore. Okay. It's a way to get out of carrying. They do it for a little while. They're back to carrying. I've seen a couple move up and become full-time supervisors and that's great, but it's more more or less, you could you couldn't make it here. Let's go, let's go do something else. And then the culture at the post office seems to be a lot of uh, you mess up, you move up. Okay, yeah. so in that vein, here we go. Here's a touchy subject: CCAs as two hundred four Bs. Not a good idea, in my no. opinion. <laughs> it's terrible. And unless unless you got somebody who's a, a really fast learner, and you're talking about probably one in a million. Because you can't learn the job in less than two years, in my opinion. I mean, I'm doing it 10 years, and I still feel like there's something that I'm always learning. Uh, but, uh, it, 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 you know, people really, they really need to reconsider the, the process in which they bring people up. Like, you, you, you should, you, you got to at least have a, a, a couple years uh, as, a, as a regular or something who knows how it is to be on an assignment, you know, and to go through all that shit. You know what the scheduling's about. You, you know what I mean? So... Um, there should be some, there should be some pretty book. selective and um, I don't know if prestigious is the right word, but eligibility requirements. Oh, air, yeah. air quotes. Yep, I agree. Uh, you were asking about national. Uh, national, I believe, is uh, August eighth through the twelfth, if I remember right. Uh, it could be. A, I'll, I'll insert a disclaimer here in case those dates are not accurate. Um, it's in Chicago. Uh, it's going to be the first one in two years. The last one that was scheduled was for Hawaii, and that got canceled, obviously, because of COVID. Prior to that, it was Detroit. That was, jeez, uh, 2018. So it's been four years, and uh, it'll be it'll be kind of nice to get back and see everybody and to get back into that uh, that kind of environment. And I think over the, the course of the past several months, a lot of uh, regions and the headquarters and D.C., et cetera, have been doing a lot of classes in person. Maybe not a lot. That might be a, a might be mis- misquoting there, but uh, they've been doing them. Uh, so getting people back used to being around each other uh, with masks, without masks, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, I'm going to it, looking forward to it. Um, we got uh, two new people in my office. Uh, they're going to go. They've never been to them before. Uh, I mean, they've never really uh, been involved in the union before other than paying dues. So uh, it should be a pretty good, uh, pretty good time for them. Go ahead. 
you ju- Dave, you just touched on a sore point that I forgot to mention earlier in the TE thing, paying dues. I loved it how we had no I- no rights as TEs, and we're basically up straight off the street in Carrier Academy. Here comes Tony Flores soliciting union dues. We had no rights, and why did we? Why did why were we asked to pay when we didn't have any rights? I mean, I know why. The more money yeah. the union has, the more you know the union has, needs money to function, but. If we didn't have any rights, I don't feel that should have happened, but whatever. Yeah, oh, you know, you make a the other thing is, go ahead, Travis. Go ahead. I would say you make a you make a great point. I mean, obviously we all know why we were solicited and why we were asked to sign up, right? That's <laughs> that part's clearly obvious. They want the money, right? It makes sense. But we didn't even have access to the grievance procedure or any form of like arbitration like we said earlier you know if the management wanted you gone they just had to come in on a bad day and and fire your ass you know and For real. we didn't have yeah. even the the least bit of job protection so it does beg the question you know what what were we paying for right you're 22 15 an hour and uh gamble of being there and uh that was about it you know it was an yeah, unfortunate bargaining that happened and uh yeah, to be quite honest, it wasn't the world's best. It was pretty right. down towards the bottom, but it was what it was. Basically, you paid for your dinner once a month if you attended the meeting. I mean, they always bring sandwiches in South Bend. At least they did when I was. I served as a, a trustee in Branch uh, Branch Three Thirty for a couple of years, and uh, I think Subway was the uh, the dinner of choice. If I meant, if I remember correctly. <laughs> Yeah, we nice. we had our we had our union meeting in Elkhart this week, and we had Jimmy John's. Usually, it's uh, pizza, uh, Antonio's, Bruno's, Volcano. Nice. We usually get a few pizzas here in Branch. And have uh, a- Branch ten twenty eight. We're cheap. We get the uh, seven dollar Costco pepperoni pizza. <laughs> oh, nice! Those are pretty good, though. They are. You serve those up. <laughs> Costco Costco is my cheapest dinner ever. I can go there and get full for three dollars and sixty one cents of. Slice of pizza, hot dog, and a drink. Bring back the Polish. That's this is for Costco. If anybody from Costco is listening to this, bring back the Polish sausage. We need it. Yes. Okay. Second. Anyway, anyway uh, so Branch Ten Twenty Eight, where I'm at, we're not sending a representative to national. If we're a small branch, like I was uh, saying in our previous episode, we've got uh, you know twenty two, twenty three full time jobs. It's very expensive for us to send somebody. The cheapest person yeah, it is. would have been for them to send me, and I could stay at my parents' house and then ride the train or whatever to Chicago and back or something of that nature. You know, we just don't have the uh, financial resources. And our steward, uh, a gal by the name of Heidi, who's a fantastic steward, she's a absolute pit bull, and she holds management to task constantly. Couldn't ask. Howdy, girl. Could not ask for a better. Uh, could not ask for a better union rep, uh, Heidi. I know who will be listening to this. Shout out to you. Um, Shout so out, Heidi. One thing that she uh, has told me on several occasions, though, is the difference between a like a local training seminar and the national convention being more of like. Uh, the comparison that she makes is something. The national seems like more of an administrative type of thing while more localized like state conventions or or local rap sessions or training uh 
sessions and seminars seem to produce more benefit in her eyes than the national um, convention does. And Dave, I was hoping that you might be able to expand on that. Yeah, I, I can I can expand on that. You know, I that that is that is true. Uh, you know, the, the the issue is when you go to national, there's a lot of there's a lot of procedural things that have to take place per the the, the national constitution, et cetera, et cetera. So you, I mean, unfortunately, you gotta get you gotta you gotta do the business. I mean, you got general session. I think usually is like every day between 10 a.m. and like 3 p.m. More or less, you got classes of very diff, there's different types throughout the day, maybe before and after, if I remember right. Uh, but yeah, a lot of that is you got to get that business done, and uh, you have some speakers that come in and uh, hype people up and uh, get people uh, fired up about what's going on, which is really cool. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of business that goes on. A lot of that good training comes down at the local levels. You know, your 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 state associations, your your regions. Region six does a great job. Um, fantastic people over there. Um, but yeah, folks. Uh, that do a really good job because the classes can be a lot smaller. You know the people. Yeah, you, you constantly or maybe uh, some routinely talk to the people, especially like the region people, et cetera, et cetera. So those classes can really be a lot more uh, beneficial to you versus at the national level. But the classes at the national level are good too because sometimes you get these people at national that do these classes that don't necessarily do classes that are done at the local level. So. Uh, you, you you can get some good uh, some good training out of it. So, but the local level usually is is always a really good way to go. Dave, are you going to the uh, training? I believe down in Indianapolis this coming week. I think they start tomorrow. No, I, I won't. I won't. I won't be at the the state the the uh, the state convention. I won't be at it. Um, I've got other things going on, and I, uh, I I'm not getting to it. But I'll definitely be at national at the the Kim region nice. there in uh, Columbus Day weekend in uh, October. I usually always go to that. So and we have, we have one guy from the branch going to state, um, but I won't be there. So, and the uh, for the listeners, the Kim region is uh, Kentucky, Indiana, and Michigan. Is that correct? Thank you. Yeah, it is uh, region six, Kentucky, Indiana, Michigan. Kim for sure. Fantastic. So I think that that might be a. That's all I've got. I don't know if you guys have anything that you wanted to uh, expand on. Oh, food drive, food drive. Yeah, I want to I want to talk about the food drive. You know, the food drive is going on on the uh, second uh, weekend of uh, May, uh, back on full force as normal. Uh, hopefully, everybody's registered that needs to be registered for it. Um, I can tell you, the local food bank here in uh, in the South Bend that we give to us, uh, Branch Street Thirty, the food bank in Northern Indiana, they really need the food. Um, they've gone two years without their biggest their biggest uh, fundraiser, food raiser, if you want to call it drive of the year uh i think they've had some donations that have come in that have helped out you know they can buy the food the problem is these days the prices are up so the dollar what you're getting for a dollar is a lot less than what it was two years ago so uh spread the word people uh, tell the people on your route to leave food the dry goods uh leave it out these places need it uh, they've, they've been hurting for two years so everybody just make sure that the, you uh participate as heavily as you can absolutely yeah, and uh, one thing that's worth pointing out, it's not so much an issue here in, in my office. My office is small. It's pretty chill. But there are some contractual rules surrounding the food drive, you know, mainly being that as letter yep. carriers, we are donating our time. The Postal Service is donating vehicles. They're donating fuel in order for us to facilitate this, and the letter carriers are donating their time. So you want to be accurate yeah. with your projection every day, every day and how long it's going to take you to complete your assignment and stay in communication with management 
management so that you know you're getting paid for what you're supposed to get paid for. Yeah, you're not you're not getting paid to deliver those food drive uh, or to pick up the food. Um, so when you negotiate that day, you're negotiating basically on the mail itself. So if it's eight hours and you think it's going to take you 30 extra minutes because, you know, you got a lot of people are going to get a lot of food, uh, you're donating that 30 minutes. Your negotiation is strictly for the mail only. The rest of it is your donated time. And you know what? It's the least that we can do to help these people out, in my opinion. Yeah, 100%. Agreed. Uh, you know, in, at least in, in my experience in northern Indiana, and that translates to my experience here in Montana, that the summer months are the leanest months for donation at these organizations and, and food banks. Yeah. And being that we have access to every house in the United States and we can collect all of these donations in one day and make this nice big bulk contribution. Um, also, you know, it also points out that these food banks have, and food pantries, a lot of them have access to bulk buying programs where they're, where as if you go to the store and spend a dollar or $2 on one or two cans of, of vegetables, a one or $2 donation to them, they can buy maybe five, six cans. They can multiply a, a, a traditional monetary contribution by like five to six times, depending on your location in the country. So if you don't like leaving food out, don't give money to your letter carrier. Do not do that. Uh, take it your money, write a check to that food bank, go down there and make a physical cash donation because they can really put that to use. Yeah, definitely. You, you, probably, you can probably do it online too, depending on which food bank you go to. Um, so there's, there's loads of things that people can do. The, the fact of the matter is, is uh, you know, the NELC is, has been doing this for since what, I think the mid-90s, apologize for not knowing the exact year. Uh, so, you know, 20, 30 years. Uh, you know, it's something we do every year to help the local food banks out. It doesn't go to some big nationally known uh, food distributor. It stays local in your town and refills the coffers in your town. And that's where it should go. Right. And what I've heard is the letter carrier food drive stocks these uh, food banks with enough uh, items to blast them through the lean months that you mentioned and almost all of the way to yep. the time where the holiday peak donation period starts. So it's like a, it's like a huge uh, bridge for them, if you will. Awesome. Fantastic. Well, guys, is there anything else you want to go over? John, do you have any pluggables? You, do you want to uh, put, want people to follow you on Instagram? You want them to stalk you? Watch your, your mailman, <laughs> mailman goodness. <laughs> Now, I'm not a big uh, social media. What's your Tinder account, man? <laughs> <laughs> it's a uh, Snapchat. No, just kidding. Um, no, I don't have. I do have the accounts, but I don't use them. Twitter, Instagram. I basically just have my uh, Facebook, uh, John F. Griffin Jr. But I don't post much. It's basically basically a news feed. So I'm. He goes like the rest of us. Yeah. Right. Yep. Just, co old, just coasting. We still use Facebook. I Old millennial here, a couple of Gen Xers up there, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah my idea of club, my kid. idea, yeah, my idea of clubbing these days is now going to Sam's Club in Costco. <laughs> <laughs> Anywho, all right, well, that's going to wrap us up for this week and this episode number two of "It Takes What It Takes," the Letter Carrier Podcast. Uh, thank you again to John Griffin popping in here as our first. Awesome. First Good to see you, brother. First guest on the podcast, and hopefully we look forward to having you back in uh, in future episodes. 
And with that said, cheesy, cheesy way to end this. Dave, take it away. Be good. <laughs> it takes what it takes. All right. It Takes What It Takes, a Letter Carrier podcast is available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Recent episodes are also available on SoundCloud. We record live streamed on Twitch and Discord. If that's not your thing, all of our streams are uploaded to YouTube. Follow us on Instagram at It Takes What It Takes podcast for the most up-to-date information and for links to all of our social media channels. Feel free to slide into our DMs, send us an email, or a first-class letter for questions, comments, or content and guest recommendations. The podcast is produced by Travis and Dave, and the music you are hearing in the intro and outro of the podcast is written and performed by Rust Belt Roadshow. You can find them on Instagram at rustbelt underscore road underscore show and Spotify and Apple Music. Shit!